I have never had sexual compatibility and chemistry like I do now. And I have fucked many people. <laughs> <laughs> When guys on the internet try to shame me for my body count, I'm like, I have more experience than you, boy. I know exactly what I like and I can say it exactly what I want. Oh, I don't even actually know the number of decks I've seen, you <laughs> know, or maybe held. And I would say out of all of the guys too, my husband's probably the sluttiest, sluttiest. over there too. And we're both, and we both got into this relationship with like, well, there's no shame allowed here. It. The union of sluts. I'm Alexa and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Well, let's get started with another episode of That Sex Chick. I have just spent the last, I don't know, six, seven minutes chatting with today's guest before hitting the record button. And I can already tell that y'all are going to love this show. And it feels like two sex educators, two people in the space who help people have better sex, have better intimacy. Like we're just going to be chit-chatting. I think about our own personal lives. And then of course, ways, things that we've maybe accumulated over the years that hopefully can help you with some frameworks and some ideas on how to open up your life, how to communicate better, and of course, how to sex and be sexed in ways that you really deep down want and desire to sex and be sexed. Dr. Tara, thank you so much for coming onto the show. You've been lovely so far, so I'm really excited to share you with our audience. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you're having an orgasmic morning. Mm -hmm. If they're listening to this show, that's a high probability. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to kind of open up the show with Getting you introduced to our audience so they can they can hear a little bit more about who you are and where you come from and what has led you on this path where sex and intimacy is what you have devoted your life to. Ooh, let's see. Where do I start? Right. <laughs> My journey, I like to give a little background of where I come from because not from here. So it gives you a little context. I'm originally from Bangkok, Thailand, and I went to an all-girls Catholic school my whole, like, you know, child's life up until I was 15. So up until I was 15, I was taught by, like, a nun. And, you know, I get hit on the hands if my skirt doesn't cover my knees. So from very young age, I had learned that my body is something to be ashamed of, that like I need to cover up, that like my body, a female body is provoking for boys and I need to uh, cover that energy, like the female sexual energy, even as a kid, right? So that's where I started. So back backwards. <laughs> and then after I finished middle school, I went to high school in Finland. And that's the first time I saw people being very comfortable with their bodies. Because in Finland and many of the Scandinavian countries, they get naked and go into the saunas together with like no hesitation, no shame. They don't think it's weird or funny or anything. It's like not body positive, but like body neutrality. Mm -hmm. They just don't give a shit. Because it's just a body. No one giggles. No one, you know, you can see your grandpa's balls. Like, it's fine. <laughs> and that was my first time seeing body neutrality. When was your first time seeing body neutrality? So 
I traveled extensively in my 20s. And as you're talking, so, you know, we're from completely different parts of the world, right? And I grew up in South Louisiana. I went to Catholic school. I also would get, you know, had to get on my knees to make sure that my skirt touched the floor. Otherwise I would get a slip and then I'd have to, you know, want to go home and I'd have to fix it. And my mom would have to take the hem out. So I had that too. Wow. Different parts of the world. Very similar culture. Yeah, absolutely. And so I didn't know that anything was really different to my small town upbringing until I lived and worked on cruise ships. And so I've been to Bangkok. Um, oh. I've been I've been all over the place. Did you bang some cocks? Probably, yes. <laughs> yeah, I have some really crazy stories about Ooh. our trip to Bangkok. Just like totally different time in life. But but my <laughs> travels brought me to Iceland ah. and in the hot springs. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I walked into a locker room and I walked into the area and everyone was just normal, naked. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a shock to the system where I'm like, oh, we, I've been culturally conditioned and societally conditioned to think a body, a naked body is sexual. Right. And that someone who is naked is passing, like they're open for some kind of sexual interaction. It was mm-hmm. really strange. And then I'm like, okay, well now I'm the odd one. If I sit in the corner, or I try to cover up. And so I was like, how about I just try <laughs> changing like normal as Embracing. if they weren't there? And j- let me just see how this feels. So as you're describing this, I'm like, me too. <laughs> wow. We have a very similar like life experience. Yeah. So yeah, like in high school, I went there, I saw that and I was like, really opened my mind. Like, okay, where I'm from, is just this tiny little dot in the world mm-hmm. and everywhere else have different practices and different perceptions of different things. So at that point I was like, okay, I'm just going to do what the Romans do, do what the Finns do and exactly. embraced it. Right. So at that point I had embraced like body neutrality, like not necessarily making it a thing, but also they weren't, Finns are very like stoic. So they weren't like, oh, bodies are beautiful. Like, you know, they weren't like <laughs> body positivity, the way America and I'm to be honest, like commercial America is, right? So yeah, like I learned to just embrace what I had. And like when I was in high school, I had like a board. I was very skinny, no ass, no tits, just a board. But I loved it. Just love being different there. So that was my first pivotal point. I have two more. (laughs) The Mm -hmm. second one was moving to America. Moving to America, the first place I moved to was Los Angeles. And Los Angeles, I think, along with New York and San Francisco, are very sexually liberal. There are a lot of like sex toy shops. There's, you know, sex parties, sex clubs. Like people are generally much more open than other parts of the world and other parts of America. So when I first came here, I went to a huge sex toy shop, which I was like, whoa, I've never seen at that point. Like, I have never seen, I'm also older, right? So I didn't grow up with like internet since like when we were five, you know, like kids right. nowadays grew up with internet since they were five. So they've seen everything by 13. <laughs> but at that time, I, for the first time I saw BDSM toys and I saw like, you know, the pig mask and like the ball gag and like, I had no idea what they're for. And I've never seen porn in that genre. So I was just mind blown. Like, whoa, what else is there in terms of sex? Like, what else do people do for sexual pleasure? And at that time, I wasn't yet studying sexuality. So in my master's, I actually studied relational communication. And what it is, is communication and interaction within a relationship. So I did research on like intercultural relationships, because at that time I was dating someone of different racial backgrounds. I was really interested in that. And then after I finished my master's, I went to a PhD 
in Arizona. I lived there for four years. It was a fun time. I had my like whole face. And then uh, after I graduated, I got a job, my dream job as a tenure track professor at California State University Fullerton. So I moved back to LA. But with that journey, so I was, you know, quote unquote, successful, right? As a young adult. Okay, I finished with my PhD. I got a job like working towards my tenure as a professor. But deep down inside, I was very insecure because my personal life was like kind of a mess. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I was fucking a bunch of people, not really having any directions. So at that point, the first year when I came here, I was like, I want to get married. And my parents are like, when are you going to get married? Because in Asia... I can't generalize. I would say in Thailand, people get married really young. And we were talking about this in the South too. Like you have a friend who's like 24 who has a baby. Oh, wait, earlier than that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 22. You're like we've been married for three years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So same with like Thailand. So my parents are like, oh, when are you going to get married? So at point, I was like, you know what? I have an amazing job. I'm ready. I'm going to get married. And I literally met someone on Tinder and we got married like six months later. And that was a mistake. <laughs> that was a mistake that was so big that I think it turned my whole life around to really focus on studying sexual satisfaction and sexual compatibility. Because in my culture, it's like just get married and then fight through everything. No need for that, you know, chemistry or butterfly talk. That's like American talk. Don't listen to them. They're individualistic. Uh, you know, get married <laughs> and stick through, like stick it out, right? Mm -hmm. Like get through it with your husband. And we had so many like minor but major difficult times. What that means is like I was in this like relationship bliss black hole like people think from the outside that it was a perfect marriage he was you know tall handsome great personality also a buddhist and uh, we would travel the world just amazing like life right but at home <laughs> a lot of times i would just sit on the floor and start crying and tell him i'm not happy i don't know why i feel like i should be but i'm not you know and i don't know where it comes from and uh that really started my sexual awakening journey because at that point I was like, maybe it's me. And then I started looking into, because at that point I was already teaching sexuality class, Cal State Fullerton. So I, you know, started writing a textbook. I published a textbook. Like I know so much academically about sexuality, not so much about myself. So at that point I felt like a, a fake right? I'm teaching people, you got to do sexual communication, you got to do this, you got to do this. I was talking the talk, not walking the walk. And I felt ashamed. I was like, I'm not really living like my true self. So I embark on this journey of almost like a the other side of sexuality that we don't learn in Western academic setting. So Tantra, sexual meditation, somatic therapy, I started learning all these things really just for myself. But during that time, I was also making content. And uh, after learning all of that, and also went on my huge psychedelic journey, I went to <laughs> Costa Rica, did ayahuasca. And literally after that, I'm like, okay, I need to get a divorce. So yeah, that was my huge, I would say the biggest change in my life comes from me making that change due to the fact that I was so uncomfortable with myself. And yeah, and here I am. I think it's a combination of academic experience and personal experience. Yeah. Wow. Lots yeah. of parallels for sure. Even still in 
wasn't a first marriage for me, but it was a big relationship. The relationship where I learned all the things that I don't ever want ever again, ever, ever again. So pretty incredible. And And then psychedelics too. Psychedelics like really changed my life. Really changed my life. I started shrooms first. And then when I was ready, I went to the retreat in Costa Rica for ayahuasca. But I have to credit a lot of this to my ex-husband. He was the one that taught me the psychedelic world. Like, and then after trying different things, I'm like, peace out. (laughs) You know, like he really was the person that showed me a lot of things. So Mm -hmm. I feel like the universe had gifted him to me as like the mentor, right? And we weren't meant to be together romantically, but after, you know, he's, you know, happy and healthy and on his path now. But after I met my second husband, and started dating him, I realized, holy shit, I have never had sexual compatibility and chemistry like I do now. And I have fucked many people. (laughs) (laughs) When guys on the internet try to shame me for my body count, I'm like, I have more experience than you, boy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like I've had a lot of sex. I I know exactly what I like and I can say it exactly what I want. So with my current husband, I know that this is the relationship for me because I've never felt this way before. It's never been this like compatible before. And also where we are both in life, we're speaking, like we're communicating, which is awesome. So sweet. And And so real, you know, I, it's really interesting. So I have a a group of friends that I am very, very close with. And so community has played a really big role in my life and my relationship satisfaction. And, you know, in, in that, like, I don't look at my partner and need every single thing from him. I have my girls to act like women. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm not looking to him to fill that role, which feels so good. And I try and highlight that and, and put an exclamation point behind that and making sure people have their community in order to, to really have the foundation for a great intimate life and fulfilling relationship. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I have my, my group of friends and I am by far the sluttiest <laughs> by far. And, <laughs> you know, and we get into these conversations. It's really interesting because I think maybe when we first were becoming friends, maybe you know, this was like four-ish years ago, five-ish years ago, maybe. I think that they were, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, kind of taking multiple friends and kind of making it into one kind of coagulated (laughs) consciousness here. But I think that they generally speaking were really happy and even proud with how much they held back. Mm -hmm. And now that we're all at least a baby in or pregnant or whatever, I we get into these conversations where I'm hearing more from them how they wish that they would have given themselves more permission. Oh my God, like, literally. Like, oh, I wish I would have seen more dicks, you know? We're like, every now and then I'll have one of them will be like, I've held two dicks. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't even actually know the number of dicks I've seen, <laughs> you know, or maybe held. And, you know, and I would say out of all of the guys too, my husband's probably- the sluttiest Bloody over is. there too. And we're both, and we both got into this relationship with like, there's no, there's no shame allowed here. It. The union of sluts. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, what's really interesting is that, and Jordan, my husband has come onto the show and we've talked about this quite a bit that I wanted to go deep. So I went broad 
And I was like, okay, I just want to interact with lots of people. And then I went, you know what? I'm tired of interacting with lots of people. I want depth, meaning like, not that I need to go deep with that person regarding like having a relationship, but like, I want to go beyond the surface and I want to have different types of sex. And so mm -hmm. I was exploring in BDSM and Tantra. I was like exploring in all these like quirky, interesting ways. I wanted different versus the same thing just with different people. Mm -hmm. And, and my husband was more like, his version of novelty was just in the people changing. Like he didn't get to the place where he wanted to have anything different. He didn't get to a place where he challenged himself to grow and expand and explore. Really. It was more like, I'm just going to keep having different little relationships with different people or having, you know, sex or whatever. Then when we got together, I challenged him in that regard. And so we knew at large, like you fucked lots of people. And so did I. And now we only want to fuck each other sort mm -hmm. of. <laughs> For now, mostly, Mo right? exactly. That's the exactly. thing with, exactly. when people tell me, like, I would never do that. I'm like, you've only been together three years. Like, wait till twenty. <laughs> After right? fifteen, twenty years, maybe you're like, damn, maybe I want to swing. You know, yeah. you never know. Like, yeah, you, you, really, no one can say never, like, never, right? Yeah. You don't know for sure. I remember when we, when my current husband and I first like started dating, I told him like, I can't, you know, live life sexual monogamy, just so you know. Yeah. And he's like, I agree. That makes sense. It's logical. Both, I would say we do have parallel lives. I would say yeah. both him and I have had sex with a lot of people. Uh, he had had sex with a lot of people and have a lot of experience, know how to like go down on a woman, know how to finger, like you know, I was like, okay, we're at about the same experience level. I see, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at that point I wasn't judging, but I was like, oh, let's see how good you are. <laughs> and sure. he was really competent. Uh, but <laughs> as you were talking about your husband at first being like, oh, I, I want to kind of do the same thing that I've been doing. So I have created like through my studies of thousands of people in my sample size, I've studied what is called the sexual profile. Should we talk about that? Yeah, do it. Yes, please. I mean, I have I have grabbed Jordan's hand over the last six or so years, five and a half years. I've grabbed his hand and I've brought him into some interesting places and some interesting situations. So he's opened up quite yeah. a bit since we've gotten um, <laughs> together. But I am always looking for different ways to like open up our communication. I mean, mm -hmm. us personally, of course, everyone who's listening to the show, you know, mm -hmm. I'm like, what are different ways that we can open up even more, explore mm -hmm. even more, go even yeah. deeper? I mean, even pregnant, like mm -hmm. we still... What else, what else is there even still? Yeah. <laughs> I have a thing for mom porn. I, <laughs> that's the porn I watch is mom porn. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so Dr. Tara, sexual profile, I look for different factors in how someone express themselves sexually. Because again, my area is human communication, particularly sexual communication. So I wanted to look at sexual interaction based on kind of expression type. So the first factor is whether or not you're more dynamic or more consistent. A dynamic lover loves change, right? Loves trying different positions, trying different things, and really enjoys novelty. A consistent lover loves being consistent. Kind of the motto is like, you know, if it's not broken, why change it? Like right. I know exactly how to come. I know like what position I get in that position and I know how exactly how to have pleasure with my partner. Why change it? So like some people are more like consistent lovers and it doesn't mean they do like one thing, right? They could be doing 10 things, but like consistently doing the 10 things. Sure. So that's the first factor. Which one do you think you lean towards? Me personally, I think in my relationship 
with my husband where we lean more on the consistent. So we've got our handful of go-tos yeah. and then every so like, often, I come every time. <laughs> oh yeah. At least a couple of times. So, and, but I think that like, that's what we lean more towards, mm-hmm. but I would say we intentionally put something more dynamic Mm-hmm. in the mix mm-hmm. at least once a month. Like we mm-hmm. put a whole little chunk of time where we're going to intentionally go in and do different things and try different mindsets and yeah. roles and different or things. Location. But <laughs> all of it, all of it. Yeah. But in our day-to-day, it's probably more on the consistent front. Love that. And yeah. the thing is when you're similar, the sexual compatibility is higher, but it doesn't mean if you have different things, it doesn't mean that you're in a shitty relationship, right? It's like sure. communication and flexibility. The second factor, so there's four. The second factor is whether you're more kinky or more traditional. If you're more kinky, you're nodding. So you're, I already know the answer. <laughs> if you're more kinky, you would like trying unconventional things. Mm-hmm. If you're more traditional, you like all the traditional conventional sexual acts. Are you leaning towards kinky? I lean towards kinky and I would say Jordan probably leans more towards traditional. Yeah. So that's yeah. where a lot of communication has to occur, yeah. right? Because yeah. there's a difference. So yeah. the third factor is whether or not you're flexible or monogamous. Flexible means you're open to the idea of playing with others. And this is a very like vague description because it doesn't mean you have to do a specific thing. It doesn't mean you have to have an orgy. It may mean you want to try a threesome, right? Right. So flexible means you have flexible boundaries. And then monogamous means you absolutely cannot have sex with others. It turns you off. It's disgusting. You only want to have sex with one person. Are you leaning towards flexible or monogamous? I'd say we both lean towards flexible. And that's awesome, right? Because at this factor I learned from research that it's one of the hardest ones to communicate about if you're very different yeah and then the last factor is how you express and how you enjoy the other person expressing during sex so are you towards animalistic which means you tend to be very loud you like you know hard grabbing scratching rough sex and then the other side is gentle and again people can like both but we all lean towards one as a tendency gentle means you love romantic sweet soft sex so which one do you lean towards i think we both probably lean towards gentle Mm -hmm. but i've had it's just really interesting like considering considering like all the types of sex that I've really enjoyed throughout my life let's say my partnership with Jordan we collectively lean towards gentle but I've had some experiences you know before I was in this relationship where if I would have long term been partnered with that person it would have we both probably would have leaned more towards animalistic or primal mm-hmm. so it's really interesting to kind of compare yeah. yeah the cool thing is like when it comes to your sexual profile like so now you know right for each yeah. factor what you are and if you have your husband do the same thing, then you'll know what he is. And kind of, it's a good conversation starter because for people like a lot of my clients that are interested in being a little bit more flexible, they don't know where to start having this conversation. I'm like, take this quiz. Oh, so this is a quiz on my website. So if you can share the link, any of your listeners can take the quiz, have your partner take the quiz, then talk about it. But with this, you can start talking about, oh, okay, so I'm this, but you're this, you know, how do we compromise and how do we both get what we want Mm -hmm. if we want to be in this relationship long term? Right. Right. And I, I think every, every coupleship, every relationship is maybe going to shake out. I mean, you can tell me if this is right or not, but the, the dynamics might shift, you know, like if I would have taken that quiz in a, a different time in life, 
might've shown up with different results. I mean, yeah. is, do you see that as if somebody takes oh, it yeah. and then like five plus years later, like, or a few years later, or even six months later, depending on how much they've ex been expressing and opening and exploring that some of their results shift. Yeah. I think people change all the time, even with Myers-Briggs personality right. tests, like right. you can take again and maybe you were an I and now you're an E. Right. Right. Cause like, right. it's also self-report. So it's like right. your perception of yourself. So maybe at certain point in your life, you were like, I feel really introverted. But now like I have discovered my quote unquote true self or whatever you felt sure. at the time. So sure. I would say because it's self-report with sexual profile, it can morph and change based on where you are in life, how much experience you've had and as well as what kind of partner you're with, yeah. right? But I do see because it is not just based on nothing, right? It's based on previous research on these different characteristics. I do see that when people have certain tendency, it doesn't go away. It's whether mm -hmm. or not they have discovered it. For example, okay. when I was young, I would always score monogamous. I would never score flexible. Now I score flexible, easy, right? But because when I was young, I didn't, I didn't understand healthy ethical non-monogamy i didn't understand that you can play with others like once a while i thought open relationship is like open fuck everybody right <laughs> so i didn't have the right knowledge and i also was very insecure sure. and i didn't i didn't want to accept that part of myself now if i take the quiz and i take the quiz again 10 years later or 20 years later it will be the same right. because i know exactly who i am and as a person, I would never be sexually monogamous. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then it looks like lots of different flavors and there's lots of different flavors to everything that you just described, you know, yeah, like within each exactly. one, there's a, there's a spectrum of yeah, sorts, like 100%. inside kinky that there's a spectrum of what, you know, mm -hmm. like under that umbrella, there's all kinds of interesting yeah. ways yeah. you can be kinky. And then inside of the flexible, you know, you've got open, you've got the people who like to swing and the people that are, or maybe yeah. they like to go to orgies or go to play parties or go to sex clubs or whatever. But then there's the people that just simply like to go into sex environments, yeah, you know, like Jordan exactly. and I, Jordan and I go to experiences and if we're not totally open to be sexual, like having any kind of genitalia played with, then, you know, we don't mind being watched. Mm -hmm. We don't mind having someone come in and on a sensual level play with us, but we're not mm -hmm. exchanging any kind of sexual gratification mm -hmm. of sorts, but there's still sexual energy that's present, but that's still flexible. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. having anyone yeah. come into our bubble is yeah. flexible. And I think that you're you're hitting something that hopefully we've got some light bulbs going off for people mm -hmm. is that it doesn't have to look any kind of way. And we've had a number of people on the show to talk about varying degrees of open relationship or polyamory or mm -hmm. what how you want this to look. And I think that like people who are curious, you know, like where to start, of course, I'd like to hear your perspective on this. But to me, it's like you don't have to jump all the way into the deep end. No, no. Yeah, and actually, you can dip a toe. I think that's like have a much lower success rate. <laughs> Yeah. If yeah. Like trauma. Anyone, yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people that like just get drunk and have a threesome and now no longer together. So right. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do You'll that. hear like a success story like, once in a while and then, but don't take that as an example. Like that's not a good right. example. Our favorite place to shop for crystal, glass, and metal toys is Yoni Pleasure Palace. Sacred squirters, cervix serpents, Yoni eggs, prostate massagers, anal plugs and beaded wands, G-spot massagers, and something Jordan and I use all the time and even travel with are plush velvety waterproof blanket. 
Every product feels so special when it comes from YPP. It's probably because of the care that is taken not only in the development of the toy, but in the packing and delivering of the toy. When you collect, because it's definitely a collection of sexy works of art, when you collect a new item, it comes with not only information on how to use it, but to also respect and revere it, along with cultivating respect and reverence for your own body and your own sexuality. I can't sing YPP's praises enough to add to your collection, visit yonipleasurepalace.com and make sure to use the code thatsexchick, all one word, at checkout for 15% off your order. And pretty please, if you share your items on social media, tag me. I'd love to see what you choose and celebrate you. Yeah, I agree. I agree in terms of like varying degrees of everything. Because I thought I was kinky. And, you know, when anyone goes to like a BDSM club in Berlin, you know you're not. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's very true. I'm like, oh shit, I'm kinky. I'm naughty. I'm spicy. Go to a BDSM club in Berlin. You'll know you are not. There are people who are like, I'm like two out of 10 in terms of kinky. There are people who are like 11 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. Berlin's a good one too, to even say. Yeah. I mean, if you think you're kinky, go to a sex club in Berlin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It will really put you in your place. I was like, oh, wow. What a different world. But you know what's really cool, I think, with sexuality is like as long as it's pleasurable and consensual and fun, there's like no no wrong answer. Right. Yeah. Oh, and safe. That's important, too, because some people put stuff in their vagina that I'm like, you really shouldn't. Or in their butt. Yeah. Yeah. Or just in orifices in general. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or like eat poop. I'm like, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. No, we're going to skip NMK, right? That that one's not my kink. You do you. No, you do you. Definitely not me. I'm going to go back to my mom porn. (laughs) No, mom porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and fingering porn. I'm, even though I know that it's like fake, but I love when the woman gets fingered and then she like shoots out like huge squirt. amount of squirt, but like a huge amount, right? Like fake <laughs> amount. It's kind of comical, but I like watching him just laughing. Like, I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone who was listening and thought that women didn't also talk this way, <laughs> women also speak like this. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. but I guess it is it is relatively rare that I have someone on the show that we do get to banter a bit more like this. You know, we talk a lot about relationships, which I'm going to shift this into in a little bit. But we do no, talk about a lot like relationships. We talk about porn. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can talk about porn in relationships. No, True. separate, separate conversations, which I've had a number of them on the show. Um, But kind of going back to how we were talking in the beginning about, you know, you and I've had a lot of exploration you know, had sex with these amount of people and are now in marriages. And, you know, even though I I was saying, you know, I have this conversation with my friends and then they're like, I've only seen this many dicks. What's up with that? Um, You know, in those times, I do have this really interesting level of like pride for myself where I'm like, I'm glad that I explored. I'm glad that I went out and I, and I did the thing, you know, I, used to joke when I was traveling. So I've been, I lived on cruise ships for about six years and I've been to 79 countries so far. And so I like saw lots of different. That's crazy. It's a lot. All before before 30. So I'm like, I feel like I've done the thing, you know, which is why I'm really excited to do the next thing that I haven't done, which is start a family. Like that feels so foreign, you know, like that's the next grand adventure. But in my time in traveling, I was like, I saw lots of different shapes of dicks and types of dicks and even women. And, and, and interacting with, with women in a new way and in a sexual way for the first time. And just, you know, 
I did play and I did explore and I put myself at risk a number of times where I look back and I'm like, Ooh, that was probably not the best decision, but you know, and there were times where I felt really shameful and I felt really down about myself. And then there were times where I felt really liberated and super sexy and on point. And, you know, when I look back at that time, I do feel a general sense of pride of like, I'm so glad you did the damn thing. Like, I'm so glad you are intentionally choosing what you want in your life now. And I don't have this level of like, well, I wonder what if, like, I don't have this, I wonder what if, because I traveled, because I did the psychedelics, because I had the sex, because, so it's just this really fulfilling kind of place that, that I find myself in, you know, like when COVID happened and the world shut down and they were like, maybe we'll never travel again. We're trapped where we're at. And I'm like, I did it. I, I, I actually feel at peace if that were actually going to happen. You know, on the other hand, I look at my husband and I'm like, oh, but you've only scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. And so I want, you know, for him to be able to go and explore and see the world and, and all of that. But, but anyway, it still comes with in these conversations, you know, with my friends or whatever that, and even here on the show where I like, I do have this general sense of pride and I feel good about it. And if I sit with it, I do still have the remnants of shame, mm-hmm. you know, like, did I, and this I think comes from, you know, the Catholic upbringing where I use my body mm-hmm. or I, I let my body equal my worth and my value. And mm-hmm. I didn't treat it nicely or I didn't treat it well. And I put it at risk and that wasn't smart. And so like, I'll kind of go through, like I can touch where shame, where I've dealt with a lot of shame and processed it, but I still can feel it in there at times. And then the, the feeling of like, makes me even wife material now because I did this. And so like I tainted my like soul and my spirit. It's just really interesting. You know, like I mostly don't deal with that, um, but it's still kind of there. And I know that it's probably there for a lot of people. So I just, all that's kind of lead up to, I would love to just chat really quickly about the concept of shame and, you know, whether it's people who have shame because they didn't explore and now they're married and have a family and they lean towards monogamous, but they have like this hope of flexibility one day, you know, and so, and then there's shame for that. Or, you know, it's more like maybe my story where it's, I went, you know, I went out and I did the thing and now occasionally don't know how I feel about it sometimes. And I just, yeah, I'm curious your, your thoughts on that and how, and, and generally like how people deal with sexual shame. Gosh, the thing with shame is, and any research will show you, is that it comes from every fucking angle. There's no one particular shame, right? There's no like, oh, I didn't explore. And now I'm in this relationship, this marriage for a long time. And, you know, I feel like, oh, I've never lived that life. Or shame of like, fuck, I had sex with 100 people. And now I'm dating this guy and I don't know how to tell him because he's asking. There's shame of also like, you know, oh, I don't like my partner's penis. And I don't know who to tell. I don't want people to judge my relationship, my marriage, right? Or I don't find my wife sexy. I don't find my wife attractive. She's a good mother, but I don't find her attractive. I'm ashamed of that. There's so many kinds of shame. And at the end of the day, if you want to kind of measure (laughs) as a social scientist, I'm like, if you want to measure your shame, you can kind of think of uh, how many things make you feel negative and bad in your body and jot it down, those are most likely the things that come from this little pocket of shame that's in your brain. One way to deal, and I'm not saying you do this one time, and oh my God, I have no shame, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's it's a journey. And, and just like you, I'm also processing these different things. Sometimes when I'm really reflecting, like some stuff will come up that made me feel bad, right? So it's a journey. 
However, there's research that shows when you write it down. So journaling is a huge, like it's a very powerful tool that I feel like some people make fun of because they don't understand it. When you write stuff out and then you do something to it, maybe you change a narrative by writing a different narrative under it, or maybe you do, you know, kind of tear it apart, or maybe you burn it or whatever it is it slowly changes how your brain is wired on those topics. So for me, I don't necessarily tear it or burn it. Write down the things that make me feel bad about whatever I've done sexually or I'm not doing. And then under it, I write, here's my new narrative. And then I write something positive about it or neutral. And then I tell myself that positive or neutral narrative every day, right? If it's still lingering in my body, I'm working on it. But if it, it's gone, then I come visit it later. So that's the practice that I do in order to address the shameful things that I feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I don't forget about journaling. I mean, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the artist way, but it's a journaling practice in the, in the morning for creativity, but mm -hmm. even though it's for creativity, there was so much that came through and it's three pages of free writing, um, mm -hmm. every morning for 12 weeks. And I did it recently and it was totally a game changer because not only did creativity and things that I wanted to create in the world come out of it, but there was so much goodness. I didn't realize that I was holding a lot of tension around even some components of my relationship and my marriage. And then as soon as I wrote them, I was like, wow, I don't want to feel that way. So I'm going to choose to write something different and I'm going to wow. change the way that. So I forget great sometimes. Example. Oh yeah. I research. forget sometimes. Yeah. I, I forget sometimes like journaling is really, really powerful. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes kind of like meditation, journaling falls under the category of like, yeah, cool in theory. You know, mm -hmm. like somebody might say, not not cool in theory, but like like and a I know lot of that people this, make fun off. Like, yeah, oh like I know what are you writing? List. Yeah, like I know that it's on the list, but like it's almost too easy. Mm -hmm. Like it's too simple, but not mm -hmm. really that easy in a sense, like to sit down and actually do it, but can be so powerful. So thank you for that so reminder. Powerful. And you really can't deny like the amount of positive psychology research that has been published that talks about the powerful tool, like journaling and meditation you know you can make fun of it maybe because you're not practicing it wholeheartedly I know many people that try you know they start trying which you know I like kudos to that because really it's hard to start right so right. it's good to start however I think many people try it like half-heartedly and then just kind of throw it away like ah, it didn't work I think right. like anything else it takes your you it takes like commitment and effort just like anything. I know many people who has gone through like psychedelic journey and got nothing out of it or say they got nothing out of it, right? I didn't feel anything. I didn't experience anything. I just threw up, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, maybe the throw up is, you know, the shit that you need to get rid of. <laughs> but, you know, but I think at the end of the day, right, as humans, everything is perception. And what's real to you is real to you. So if you feel journaling isn't real, it's never going to be real. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to believe in it for it to happen. And you have yeah. to put commitment and effort into it. So to me, if I'm not ready to put in the effort and commitment, I don't do it. Right. When someone asks me, like, would you ever try cock holding? <laughs> right? Right. I'm like, maybe, but I don't have the commitment and effort to put in it right now. And I don't want to do it because to me, doing anything like half ass, is that a word? Half assedly? Sure. It's <laughs> the adverb um, of half ass. Ruins it, like, ruins the art of whatever it is. Yeah, totally, totally, totally.
Okay. Thank you for that. And I'd like to shift a little bit and kind of talk about relationships and communication because it sounds Mm -hmm. like you got a wealth of knowledge in that regard too. And so the first thing is kind of highlighting on your story when you shifted out of your first marriage and were open. And I don't know what that window of time looked like between marriage one and then getting into a relationship with eventual marriage two. Because I know that we have a lot of people who, you know, I would say the vast majority of our listeners are probably in relationships, but we have a nice percentage of people who are seeking their next great love and seeking their next relationship. And so I'd love to speak to those people for a moment. And just like if they're in that transitionary period, maybe they're just post-divorce or a breakup or something like that. Tips for and your take on, you know, how they can gain their confidence back when it comes to communicating their desires and their needs and all of that. And then, you know, tips for communicating. Like, let's say for an example, they were in relationships and maybe they were sexually unsatisfied. And that was a big component as to why the relationship broke down. How can they gain confidence just generally? And then when it comes to speaking up with regards to their sexual preferences and desires to ensure that they don't essentially make that that mistake again? Oh, I love this question. This is exactly kind of the main question that I had in mind a couple of years ago when I conducted a study about what variables would predict sexual, the ability to communicate about sex, then in turn sexual satisfaction. And this study was based on 5,000 subjects. So it was a big study. I wanted to look into what are some variables that would predict like easier communication about sex? And, you know, as much as I want to say, oh, here are the three tips for communicating. There's no communication unless you start working on the internal. So for people that are single and are dating and kind of want to find themselves feeling more sexually confident in expressing yourself again, I would say the two variables that come to my mind that are very significant predictors of your confidence to speak about sex are sexual self-esteem and then sexual self-knowledge. Without these two things, hard to talk, right? You got to have like solid foundation in order to say like, oh, I can communicate now. It's kind of like if you throw in a kid who knows nothing about roses to like a rose conference, (laughs) that kid will not know what to say. But if you have a lot of knowledge, that confidence comes with the knowledge. Right. So I would say exploring your sexual self-esteem. Sexual self-esteem is how positive and good and worthy you feel about your sexual self. So if you feel like you have a low sexual self-esteem, meaning you don't feel like you're worthy of receiving pleasure or being loved or having someone take care of you in different scenarios, that's something to work on because Mm -hmm. You can't skip that and then go to confidently communicating, right? right? So that first part, sexual self-esteem, it comes from different things. The first thing is your body image. You have to first, if you don't love your body, at least like your body. You know, you have to first not feel like your body is ugly, that you're ugly. If you feel like you're ugly, that's the first place to work on before anything else. Mm -hmm. The second one is understanding your relationship trauma. And overcome it. So let's say, oh, when I was, you know, 18, someone broke up with me by like cheating on me with my best friend, right? Acknowledging that and like how it has affected me. What did, how did I feel afterwards? And how do I feel now? Working through relationship and past sexual trauma is a big part of your current level of sexual self-esteem. 
And then the last thing about it is whether or not you feel like you can pleasure yourself. Mm -hmm. So masturbation is actually a healthy activity in increasing your self-confidence and your sexual self-esteem because you're able to give yourself pleasure. So this is for sexual self-esteem. What do you think? I think it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, each one of those buckets, I feel like I've described in in so many ways, you know, and I like that you said overcome sexual trauma or relationship trauma of the past. You didn't say heal from it mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people get trapped in this like, well, I need to go on a healing journey and I'm not healed enough yet. And they use this, this kind of term very vaguely and loosely, mm -hmm. but you said overcome it. And that feels really empowering because a lot of times I think people get in a disempowering healing trap of mm -hmm. sorts where they're like stuck on this journey and they're just like, I'm just not healed enough yet. Forever when, when, a victim. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, you're going to be working with this thing potentially forever. You know, like if something really big happened to you and mm -hmm. you have habits and patterns and ways of, of, you know, acting because of these big things, then chances are high. It's going to be how you work with it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to ignore it and comes out yeah. shadowy if you ignore it. And then also really dictates a lot, dictates a lot of life. If you acknowledge it and don't overcome it where it's just, you're consistently talking about it, but not really doing anything mm -hmm. to, you know, essentially oh have the life God. that you want. That last one, like, oh, you talk about, like, you acknowledge it, but you don't yeah. work on it. That's so yeah. true. One of my, one of the people that I dated for a long time actually had a huge, like, sexual trauma that happened to him when he was young. And he just doesn't work on it. Like, he will acknowledge yeah. it. Yeah. He would be like, oh, yeah, that happened to me. I'm healed. But, like, I'm like, are you? Because right. it's shadowy. When you were like, it's shadowy, it comes up. It totally yeah. comes up. And it comes up in erectile dysfunction. Yeah. It comes up in, and he went to get his T-level tested. He, You know, like nothing's wrong. Sure, sure, right? sure. Uh, he just doesn't want to deal with it. And to me, that's difficult. And it's difficult for your partner. It's, yeah. I know it's difficult for you, but it's also difficult for your partner. Yeah, and it absolutely. will be difficult like moving forward in your relationship, whoever you're dating. So yeah. yeah, those are the the things that kind of go into the sexual self-esteem factor. The second factor that I was talking about is sexual self-knowledge. And this can come from like so many almost like philosophy. Because if you're talking, if you're talking to someone who like likes metaphysical things, there's a lot of like energy and chakras. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. But if you're talking to someone who's like into, you know, just road psychology, you know, scientific methods. <laughs> then <laughs> my, my kind of people great. <laughs> <laughs> then then they will go into okay what are your erogenous zones like count them out do the yes no okay list right like knowing like cognitively knowing your body and knowing more about sex like where is a g-spot where is is there a g-spot like what's your <laughs> you know most erogenous zones like what arouses you the most so it's more like cerebral and cognitive and understanding your body very well because that's empowering when people are like what do you mean in understanding your body really well like i know i have boobs i have nipples i have my vulva my vag like what else do i need to know like right. it's so much more than that right yeah, yeah. so that's why to me it a mix of that like western and eastern like the mix of scientific and metaphysical is really helpful I know this lady in LA who does vaginal healing through crystals. Right. And some people that I tell are like, that's fucking bullshit. You know, that, <laughs> what do you mean? Like insert a crystal in your vag and it's like, boom, like it's 
your vag is so good now. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's about like the energy and whatever frequency it exudes. I'm Western academically trained, but I can't discount things that we can't falsify. If right. I don't have proof against it, how do I know it's not real? Sure. Right. So I, I was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I get my pussy blessed by crystals and my <laughs> pussy's good. <laughs> like I have a whole shelf of them right here. <laughs> I love it. That's why your pussy's yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the part where it's yeah. like self-knowledge. It's like how well you know yourself. And these two are really huge foundations in like the ability and the confidence to communicate is you feel good about yourself and you know yourself. Yeah. I mean, I know that I asked this question from the foundation of people who are looking to like expand on their communication with their sexual preferences and desires going into another relationship. But what you just said is for everybody. Yeah. It's really for everyone is. being in a relationship. And I mean, goodness, if I would have stayed with the high school sweetheart, if I would have like really tried to conform, cause I was with, I was with the guy from senior year of high school to senior year of college. And, Ooh. um, I mean, as like four ish years, years. Yeah. four plus years. And if I would have just stuck it out and I wouldn't have had the, like, what am I doing with my life? This is not for me. If I, you know, if I would have just kept trying to fit in the box of do things in a particular way, then, you know, and I would have stayed with that person from 18, 17 years old and into forever and like started a family and all that, we would have never had any conversations about any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I just think of, you know, kind of bringing it back to, you know, people from where we're from getting into really young relationships and, and growing up together. And in a lot of ways, they've got the emotional in some ways. I mean, not, maybe not every relationship has the emotional intimacy and emotional connectedness because they are growing up together and they are doing hard things together. But for a lot of them, I mean, I didn't grow up learning how to speak about these things. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up learning that if I masturbate, I'm going to go to hell. So, mm -hmm. you know, and so then bringing that, roping that into like sexual self-esteem, that was something that only once it broke out of that relationship and started trialing new things, did I realize was kind of having me feel on the lower end and what was really building me up and then going for the things that built me up, which also come with like knowing myself and like trying those things. Like it, it's just really interesting. And so when I hear all of this information that you just gave to our listeners, like I'm thinking that that's very relevant to people who've maybe gotten into relationships, whether it, they they got into it young or they have gotten into it in their thirties, but they just never learned those components to how to have those conversations. So it's really hard to just go from, you know, our sex life's not that great. It needs to change. Mm -hmm. That's so and then vague. Let's talk about it. Right. That's so vague. What yeah. needs to change? What's yeah. not great? And how, right. you know, it kind of is passing this responsibility. You don't please me or I'm not getting what I need. Or if you were different, it's an internal game. You know, it's this self-reflective, introspective, self-aware mm -hmm. thing that, that, that you have to cultivate, mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise, what are you bringing into the conversation? 100%. Thank you for the summary. It's it's really important. And, you know, I, I go on many shows that are like, okay, what are some communication tips? But I'm like, also want to talk about these two variables that I found in my yeah. research to be very important. <laughs> yeah. Because you, at the end of the day, I'm teaching people how to communicate. And I talk about the micro and macro sexual sure. communication in which we can get into it briefly. But there is no point of that if there isn't the foundation. 
Right. Right. Like it will be like a faux conversation almost. Yeah. It'll yeah. be kind of like you might feel a little bit better because you finally gave both of both <laughs> of you like a permission to talk yeah. about it. But like it didn't really go anywhere and it kind of scratched the itch, but then no change happens. Which and happened so it, to me in my yeah. previous relationship. That's what I did. Like, let's talk. And yeah. we started talking, but I wasn't there. He wasn't there. And yeah. But okay. So in terms of sexual communication. Yeah. Right. There are two aspects to think about. The first aspect is micro-sexual communication, which is communication that happens during sex. And research, lots of research, and not my particular research, but in the area that I'm studying, show that communication during sex is significant predictor of sexual satisfaction. So if you're not talking right now, you're not voicing, oh, that, that doesn't feel that good, or oh, I don't like that position, or oh, that feels really good. Oh my God, like go faster. If you're not saying these things, it is likely that you're not having an amazing sex life and you won't have in the long run. So communicating during sex is extremely important. There is so another hard. factor- for yeah. so many people, it's it especially hetero vanilla. Mm -hmm. It's like once the yes is there for sex, mm -hmm. it's like we just keep our mouth closed until mm -hmm. was that good for you at the end, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> why that first two factors were really important yeah. to explore, right? Yeah. Journaling about your your experiences or doing sexual meditation and going through like processes of understanding yourself in order to build the confidence to talk. I think that's really important. But yeah, that during sex communication is extremely important. There's a concept in our field called dirty talk. <laughs> and it was born in the human communication field because we look at what are some of the communication that occurs during sex and what's like a really unique factor about it. And what we found is that people do dirty talk only in bed, like only during sex right? You don't just like go to a coffee shop and start <laughs> doing dirty talk <laughs> and saying a bunch of non-PC things. Like people allow themselves to be free of PC and of what is acceptable in our culture and society in bed, which can be extremely liberating. And research found correlations between people who do dirty talk and rating their sex life to be better. So there's that one thing. Right. And I'm sure you might have like a dirty talk episode already. So go listen to that one and uh, <laughs> practice your dirty talk. If not, I could come back and talk about dirty talk the whole episode. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so that's during sex. So that's micro communication. After sex, there's check-ins, right? Like pillow talk and checking in all of that, like aftercare is very important. The other big factor is macro sexual communication. And this is basically communication about our sex life, right? So not during sex, about our sex life. And when you're engaging in macro communication, it's highly important that you don't talk about it in a sexual setting. So never talk about it in bed. Never talk it, about it when you're like cuddling and laying somewhere where you have sex because you don't want that kind of tension and energy in a place where you're trying to let go. Um, so have it over like coffee. Have it over a hike. Have it, you know, walking on the beach. Have it over maybe dinner outside. I actually personally, ever since I became super into like energy stuff, I don't even like having it at home because mm -hmm. I don't want that kind of tension at home. Like, let's go to a coffee shop and like chit chat, yeah. Yeah. right? So there's that, uh, the context. And then the second thing is to prime. People wait until they explode and then they start talking about sex and like, oh shit, you were not happy. I had no idea. You never came. I had no idea. <laughs> Right. So don't wait till you explode, like prime the conversation. Hey, I want us to talk about our sex life this weekend. 
like, do we have time? Are you open? Like, you know, what's our schedule like? Okay, you you have Sunday off. We're going to drop our son off at baseball. And then like, we're going to go grab a coffee. It's going to be like an hour. Let's chat, right? I know this is really hard to start, but mm. it's hard for everybody at first. You know, yeah. it's just like anything else. It's like snowboarding. I sh- I'm <laughs> shit at it, right? It's hard to start, but like, you yeah. just got to do it. So bad. <laughs> so... <laughs> So you can be the listeners, like you can be the empowered one. You can be the person that initiates this conversation. And so that's how you initiate. In terms of what you talk about, you can think of it in three aspects. The first aspect is how have we been? So you can ask that in any variation. Like, how do you feel about our sex life for the last three months, one year, ever since we've been together, ever since we had our first kid, second kid, like whatever, kind of go back to like, however you want to check in. But that's like, how have we been? And then how are we now? And what else can I do? Uh, These are some of the things that are really important to talk about in your like big picture macro sexual communication. So in general, at the end of this conversation, you'll end with like, where do we want to go and set a sexual goal together? I know all of this sounds really hard. So like, if you feel like you might work on this better with like a sex therapist or a sex coach, feel free to reach out to anyone near you uh, because it is easier with a third party like navigating this conversation. But you are not powerless. You can totally have this conversation on your own. And it's just follow this structure, like listen to this episode, pause and write down these three aspects and then just have this conversation. You can be the one that start. Beautiful. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I also like the coffee shop yeah conversation yeah you know? I don't like that tension energy like inside yeah. my home so my whenever table. it's like a serious yeah whenever it's a serious conversation about anything sure like finances or how to yeah. raise kids I feel like it's better out <laughs> like outside <laughs> yeah not yeah. here <laughs> no I completely agree and I know we're we're rounding out we're getting towards the the end of our time together and I have so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you Dr. Tara you And I know that there's something, there was something that you mentioned at the very beginning of when we were talking kind of in your story and, and I'm just, I'm curious about this and maybe you have resources. And so we kind of end on like where people can find some of your resources and things like that, but you mentioned sexual meditation and affirmations. And so I would be remiss if I didn't kind of double click on those for a second. And because that's something that has really been helpful for me in some ways, like going through certain kind of meditations, whether it's a priming for safety, like a somatic experience or a little bit of breath work or something like that, kind of just dropping me in before I go into sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. That's been helpful for me. It's also been helpful for many of my clients. And, you know, I have a couple of resources, but I really, it's very rare that I experience someone who has more resources in this particular regard. And so I'd love to just hear maybe like a quick, a, a quick little bit of like, what that is and why you would use it and then potentially what you might have available for our audience. Yes. So I love sexual meditation. I've been practicing it for many years now, every single day for five minutes. And it really has helped me maintain the level of sexuality that I want. Sexual meditation is like a regular meditation practice, but it focuses on sexual thoughts and sensations and feelings in your body. There's lots of research, particularly out of 
the sexuality lab at the University of British Columbia that show how effective and powerful sexual meditations are, particularly for people that experience like maybe sexual anxiety or sexual staleness or even sexual dysfunctions. There's studies that show women who previously had cervical cancer and reported like feeling nothing in their pussy, like just nothing, like don't want to have sex, don't feel anything in my pussy, trying this intervention and afterwards reporting feeling significantly better in terms of their sexual functioning. So it's powerful. Um, What I did was I recorded a couple of different versions of sexual meditations on YouTube. I have it on there for free. Anyone can do it. And there's a five-minute one and a 10-minute one. There's also a solo one and a partnered one. So the solo one you can do yourself, there are two different types. The first type was affirmations. Positive sexual affirmations have been shown to effectively work in increasing your sexual confidence. And the affirmations one are like, it's five minutes and you go through it through breathing and stuff. And then it's like, I am sexy. And you kind of repeat after the guide. The other one is a sensation one. So it's like, okay, now you are welcome to massage your nipples. Now you're welcome to massage your pubic area. So there's different ones for everybody. And there's a five minute one. If you're more a beginner, if you have meditated for a long time, you can easily do the 10 minute one. So yeah, that's the sexual meditation. Lots of benefits from it. And I highly recommend anyone do it. I have guided, free guided sexual meditations on YouTube. Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom and your research. You have just a a beautiful blend going on with how you communicate and how you show up with your academic background, but then of course, blending with your life experience that definitely hits for me you know, with my, with my preferences, I don't swing too far into the woo and I don't swing too far into the more academic educator science-based. I really like the gray area in the middle where all things are possible and I'm open and willing to change my mind. Um, And it it really does feel like you are that way too. And so I know that our audience is really just going to vibe with you. And so if they, if they want to get more, of you, where would you suggest they go? Yes. My website is lovebites.co. That's L-U-V-B-I-T-E-S dot C-O. You can see all of my social media on there. If you want to follow me on Instagram, TikTok, whatever. My The sexual profile quiz is on there. So you and your partner can take it and start having a conversation. Thank Great. you so much for having me. This was like one of my favorite interviews ever. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> then I'm glad we were able to make it happen. You are just so lovely and I appreciate you. And I made a note while we were talking, dirty talk episode. So, yeah, you know, we'll we'll be in touch about getting that in the works because we don't have, we've talked about it on prior episodes, but we haven't done a show explicitly about it. And I think that our audience would love that. So anyway, oh, to yeah. be continued. I wrote thank a you. textbook chapter on that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Amazing. Dr. Tara, thank you so much again. This was lovely. I appreciate you and the work that you do in the world. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.